What's good, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. We're joined here by my boy, Jay Will, to discuss Phoenix Suns basketball. This is episode 28 of the podcast. I got the count right. I've been killing it recently on these drops with the count, so y'all can't troll me in these comments. Jay Will, how you feeling? Introduce yourself to the people, man. Yeah, what up, everybody? It's Jay Will. You know me on Twitter. You can check me out on all Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at, at Jay Will. Uh, Jay Will got it, so... I'm coming. I'm coming to a scene near you, man. I'm trying to get out of here, get myself exposed. Shout out to my boy Gifted for putting me on one of my first podcasts. Actually, I think I got more to come as well. So I'm excited about this. I'm a real good basketball mind, just like my boy Gifted and other people. So let's get it cracking. Absolutely, and I'm very happy to have my guy Jay Will on here because again. For the platform that I'm trying to create, I'm trying to have it to where we can talk hoops and keep it 1,000 about how we view the game and get some real good basketball talks out there. Jay Will is a great basketball mind, so make sure to go tap in with him. And for this episode, it'll be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube for the video version. If you're on the video version, go tap into the audio platforms, five star it. I'm trying to grow and on YouTube, I appreciate all the support that we've been getting. Without further ado, let's get right into basketball, Jay Will. So for the Phoenix Suns, from their perspective, I think the best place to start before we get to the 2024 predictions is talking about how they came into 2023. So after the 2022 playoffs where we saw Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks absolutely claim their hearts and like send them home in Game 7 in an embarrassing fashion, I think the state of the Suns was kind of in question. Chris Paul was getting older. Devin Booker had some lapses in the playoffs as well. So coming into 2023, I think there was a question mark in terms of how good this team could be with the state of the West being what it was. For you personally, how did you view the Suns before the season started? You talking about last year before the Kevin yeah. Durant trade? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Me personally, I always thought the... The Phoenix Suns were dark horse contenders. I never found, I never thought they was contenders, even the year they went to the finals. So the next year when they came back, they still was relatively good in the regular season as well. But they didn't have a superstar on that team. I don't think you could truly be a contender in the NBA without a superstar on your team. So they didn't have one. But they did play great as a collective unit, had great defensive pieces, had some, some somewhat of good coaching. But at the end of the day, they was never a true contender to me. They was a dark horse. So... From the time that Chris Paul got there all the way up until the Kevin Durant trade, they was dark horse contenders. Yeah, I would have the same thoughts of that team. For me personally, I thought that Suns team was an elite unit of guys, but they didn't have a superstar to really bring them to the promised land. And I kind of feel like that showed because Dallas, while they didn't have the same talent Phoenix did, they did have their guy who could play at that level against strong competition. But headed into this season... I didn't know where to see the Suns because I felt like this team is getting older. Chris Paul is their second best player, but in reality, it should be Aiden, but Aiden just hasn't really lived up to the bail for that. And I felt like with Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, these are, are good pieces, sure, but it felt as if compared to every other team in the West, they were just more of the same. And then the season starts and then we see that Booker's playing good basketball, but guys get hurt and then you see the ascension of mikhail bridges and the leap that he takes you know alongside booker and chris paul what do you think of mikhail bridges leap this season and what he was doing for the suns after booker went down 
I felt like opportunity came for him. Cam Johnson went down. Jay Crowder wasn't even getting no burn because they were trying to find a trade for him. So I think opportunity, like, it rose for him because I think also Booker got hurt. Then Chris Paul also got hurt. So it, it, it Mikel was dealing with a lot of guys not being there night and night out. So he made his leap based off opportunity. I'm still in a place where I don't know if Mikel is truly what I'm seeing at this at this moment because I'm very big on a. It's the NBA. These guys can hoop. They go to LA Fitness. They they'll just destroy the gym. They go to any open gym. They would destroy the gym. So in the league. They can, a lot of players play their role. Mikhail played his role when their team is fully healthy. Chris Paul, Booker, Cam, Jay, DeAndre. So it's like, okay, wait, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. Oh, he can create his own shot a little bit. We don't see it as much because he's playing a role. But then when all those pieces wasn't there as much, the game that he has locked inside, he brought it out. But that's based on opportunity, though. So, and I think that's what he's doing in Brooklyn as well. There's nobody else to be like, oh, give the ball to someone else before you give it to Mikhail. Mikhail's in a situation where you got to get a ball to me first. So, I believe any NBA player that can hoop, they're going to be able to look a different way. But in the playoffs against Philly, he started off like what we, what we kind of saw in the regular season and then kind of not because it's a different ball game. So, I really don't know about Mikhail, but what I tell you though is that every player that plays a role, they can be a star at it. So I think Mikhail is like at the top of the top in the league when it comes to if he plays a role, he'll be a star at it. He'll put it in elite level. But when he got to go outside of being a role player to more, I'm still waiting to see what type of player that really is. I need a whole year like that. I need a whole uh, uh, year where he's playing that whole season like that, and then they, that team makes the playoffs, and then he continues to somewhat show it. You know, everybody playoff drops, but show it to somewhat to be like, okay, you know what? You really are a star in this league. I'm not there yet with Mikhail, but Mikhail did prove to say that, look here, I am a championship piece no matter where I am. And that's what he did. 100%. I love what you said because in the NBA, confidence and opportunity are the number one things before how good you actually are. What Mikhail has been for the majority of his career as a pro is a guy that comes in and can fit to any system. It don't matter if it's ISO, if it's motion, he knows how to fit into your basketball program. But when he finally got the opportunity to be more than just a plug-in guy, he produced for that Phoenix Suns team. And I kept saying that for this Suns team to have success, Mikhail Bridges is going to have to take that offensive leap next to Booker because, in my opinion, Chris Paul is clearly aging out. So you need him to be that second guy to follow along with Cam Johnson, Booker, and obviously DeAndre Aiden. So coming in, seeing him play at that peak was really good to see, especially with Booker and Chris Paul out. But ultimately, because he was able to play to that level, that kind of led to the Kevin Durant trade, which, to be fair, in the offseason was already hinted at because he said that he wanted to go to the Heat and the Suns. Focusing on KD, what did you think about his comments in the offseason before the season started? And did you really think he was going to end up as a Phoenix Sun? Well, number one, his comments, in my opinion, were done in a way where it's like, you could have been a little bit more professional about it. Like, 
throwing his teammates under the bus, things like that. I, I, I ain't rocking with that. But I get the overall sentiment. And the overall sentiment was, this team is not quite where it needs to be for me to really contend for a championship. Okay, you can say that without saying it the way you said it. That's what I thought about the comments. And then him asking for a trade, I didn't know. I, it kind of shocked me because like, I feel like some superstars in the league, they take their time with organizations and be like, yo, I don't got that much time, but I'm willing to give you a little time to show me what you can do. Kevin was like, nah, I'm not. And I think a lot of it had to do with the Kyrie Irving situation. So that made it make it more. They made It made more sense for me from that standpoint. But then when I saw his destination was Phoenix, um, it threw me off. I'm not going to lie. And I was not thinking that it would actually go through either. Because I'm big on this. When these players or bona fide superstars, you have to go to a destination where there's a second guy. That's like, that's a second guy. He's stamped. I think Booker is that. But then after that, once you get to a situation where you have a second stamp guy, what are the other pieces? So I'm like, hmm. Out that whole summer when he requested a trade, I was just thinking, what team can he go to? The team don't fall off that dramatically from pieces around him and they can still contend and then maybe this offseason add a little piece here and there. But I couldn't vision it. I could not. So then when the trade did happen, it did exactly what I thought. Kevin, you left a situation. You went to a better situation, but still the pieces are still not intact enough around you and your second stamp guy. So you was in a, a, a situation where you stay, you in trouble. You leave, you still quite not be you still quite not be there either. So now Kevin's in this tough situation, and everybody think it got easier, which I do agree that it got better, but now it didn't get easier because Chris Paul was aging. He wasn't the same. He was already dealing with nagging injuries. Aiton still not the player that everybody wants him to be or believe he can be. And the word believe he can be, it seems like a fairy tale at this point. Um, and then you got rid of Mikhail, you got rid of Cam, you got rid of Jay Crowder, your, your three defensive pieces, that's all six, seven and above. So now the bench totally bad. So it's like Monty Williams, him getting that, he's not the type of coach that can get creative and innovative real, real quick on the flop and make something, make magic work like that. That's not Monty. So now all of it's like, okay, this gotta be a summer thing. This gotta be. Let the season go out, see what they can do on the fly real quick. Can they pull off some magic? Okay, if they can't, then we're going we gonna to fix it. And I guess we'll talk about that later, but that's how I felt about the whole thing. It threw me off. I didn't like how he commented on the situation, even though I did get the sentiment of the situation. I didn't like how he went about it. And I didn't like the destinations. Like, I think the biggest destination that I had liked was Miami because it would have kept Jimmy, him, and Bam intact. But it's Kevin Durant. How much can you keep your team intact? I think that's just with every superstar in the league. How many, how much, I mean, like, Anthony Davis to me was never a superstar. So when he got traded to the Lakers, yeah, you gave up a lot of pieces. But at the end of the day, that same year, they end up acquiring pieces before they even started the season. That's different. Kevin Durant went in the middle of the season. So I don't know. I felt like he was in a situation where I, it wasn't really no right away situation after the trade you'll be good in but right now we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that soon
Yeah, man, I 100% feel you on the KD stuff. I felt for me, the writing was kind of on the wall considering what was happening in Brooklyn. Like after losing yeah. in that fashion to the Celtics team, it didn't feel like even coming in, they were really going to compete. And like, I get it, like it's KD, Kyrie, but like the names don't really move me as much as what the roster actually is. Like they were banking on Ben Simmons to have to take like a, a sorry, a true leap. And I just wasn't as high on that. And obviously how their season started, it looked pretty bad. Like they fired Nash. They went through so much. And then even when they turned their season around and won so many games, I still felt like this isn't etched in sand. And as soon as Kyrie asked out, I said, before the season started, if Kyrie wants off of this team, you don't have that second guy, at least in name, to be with Kevin Durant to actually contend. So I feel like they were a package. So once Kyrie asked out, you see KD say, I want out too. And obviously, if you're asking before the season for them to fire the coach and the GM, both of them collectively, it's not surprising that you are then traded in between during the season. It makes sense to me. But the package for Kevin Durant, a lot of people clowned it at first. Like, they didn't have to give up anything, but they traded Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and multiple unprotected picks with pick swaps. Now, now for a whole lot of people, you look at the player in KD right now that we know, sure, but the bank on it is, considering how competitive the West is with the Denver Nuggets, Jokic, like all of these other great players, you're banking on 2027, 28, 29, when it's like, damn, KD's like really old at that point. And maybe the Suns team isn't the same team that we know. So this is a hedge on the future for the net side. For the Phoenix side, I think this was a move that's tough, but it's a move you had to make. Because ultimately, Devin Booker's been your franchise player for many, many years on terrible teams, really, really bad teams, to the point where people thought Devin Booker was an empty stats player, to where he could not impact winning until Chris Paul got there, which I still feel like, even though Chris Paul got there, Devin Booker absolutely took leaps in terms of you know playmaking and being that guy for that team. So now you pair him with Kevin Durant, the timeline at least makes more sense in terms of competing, because you can't go from a team that makes the finals to... Chris Paul ages out and you're kind of like stuck there, not really doing much. Although to be fair, I would have liked to see what Devin Booker, Cam Johnson and, and Mikhail could have been because that's, you know, a younger team. But Devin Booker is that type of talent to uh, fit with KD. So that makes sense. But then, and we'll get to this after the fact, you then add another guy in Bradley Beal. That's going to come later, but that is a thing. So initially... Those were my thoughts. And the trade happened out of nowhere, by the way. Like, it was late at night that they traded him. And then instantly, for a lot of people, they didn't look at the team, the basketball. They just said, this team is going to be the favorite to come out over the Denver Nuggets. What were See, your I think thoughts the NBA, on that? I think the NBA and the top players in the NBA, uh -huh. I think both of them have a major issue. I think there's a problem. Because... If I got Mikhail, Cam, and Booker, right? What am I in a rush for? Because we don't believe in doing it the Spurs, the Golden State, the like the traditional teams that, you know what? Even with Paul Pierce, like he never 
ask. He, he didn't leave. He didn't go nowhere. Kobe wanted to, but then it, it didn't happen, and they end up building pieces around him. The patient game is something top players don't want to do, and organizations are now getting spoiled to say, look here, we don't want to do it either. We want to chip soon as possible. But it's like, think about this. We could really take our time and build it up. If we believe Booker is going to be a superstar. If he's going to be a superstar, truly one, then Mikel and Cam are going to be elite role players in this league. Mikel could possibly take a leap to a star. So now you got those three pieces. Aiden, you can figure it out. Chris Paul, he's going to age and he can walk. But you can figure out another point guard down the future. Then you can keep building that bench up because you probably won't have to just like give crazy money to Mikel. You would have flexibility. And, yeah, and Cam. So it's like, but you know what? We're going to trade it away. I felt the same way when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving first got to Brooklyn and we had Karras. Um, they had Turian Prince, Allen. They had Claxton coming off the bench. You could have added LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin still to all of that. And Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's like Joe Harris. You could have added all these pieces, but make the like, go for the go for the big move. The NBA continues to do it. These teams continues to do it. These players are also on the forefront of making them do it. So it's like nobody wants to just play eight man, nine man, superstar with a second guy, plug in players. Let's go do it. Everybody wants to figure out another way to go win. And it's like for Phoenix, if you don't ever win one with Kevin Durant, right? Because it seems like the move you're supposed to make. If you never win one, and then he retires, and then your draft picks are gone, and then now you're trying to figure out, okay, what are we finna do now with Booker? What are we finna build what are we finna build around Booker now that all of everything is gone from him? Like, that could be a reality. Unless the GM is is preparing for retirement for Kevin Durant before it happens. Right. To where now he can start sliding in these pieces accordingly. If he does it that way, okay, cool. If he don't, and Booker's sitting around like, where my team at? Is Was it worth it? Especially if you didn't win. And even if you did win, did you want Booker's career to be short at winning? Like, did you, did you want him having winning success for a short period of time? Or did you want him having winning success for a long period of time? So it's like, I don't know, man. The league, I, I believe, I don't know. I, I think it won't change, though. Because I think at the end of the day, the greed of winning a chip is so powerful that everything else doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. So, I don't know. I'm, 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 I think at the end of the day, them pulling this off is why I would put way more pressure on Kevin Durant. Because it's like, you wanted this. You wanted this. They granted it to you. They also wanted it too, though. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to you because they need you to be the person that makes us win the championship. I think what you're saying is funny because I think this even goes deeper than basketball, Jay Will. We live in an era where people want microwave results in front of their face. They don't want to have to go dig through stuff. They want to like say, okay, I want this now. I'm going to get it now. I want this movie. I'm going to go online, find it. Like People want instant results immediately. And in the NBA, this is a league where guys had to lose multiple years back to back 
to learn from those bumps to be able to know how to win. Nowadays, it's like, okay, y'all got two years. No? Okay, we're going to blow up the entire team and trade everybody, right? Like, people are trying to accelerate processes when winning basketball is hard. It's not easy to win in the NBA, and we take it for granted so, so much by saying this team should win, that team should win, it should be this, it should be that. That's not exactly how it's gonna be from year to year to year. Things are gonna always change according to how things roll out. So I'm 100% with you on that. Moving on from that, the trade happens. And almost instantly, before they get a chance to like really play basketball, KD goes down and they miss a whole lot of games, but coming into him being traded there, they're elevated to the favorite status automatically. How did you view this Suns team after Kevin Durant got traded there? Um, Incomplete. I felt like the bench was not there. Um, And I felt like everything a team was going to do was they only got two guys. That's how I felt. I felt like every team was going to approach. They only got two guys. They don't really got four. Everybody kept saying they got four. I believe everybody was going to approach the Phoenix Suns as in they only got two. And when that, when I felt that way and I saw it based off the pieces that went and the pieces that stayed, and that's all coming down to the fact of how DeAndre Ayton plays on a night-to-night -night basis. I've been watching this guy since 2021. I have not been moved by this guy not one bit. So now... That's not really, he's, he's a player that's more valuable than other players in the league. But how much do he maximize his value? How much does he maximize his play, his size, his ability? It's not there. Chris Paul's aging, bro. He's, 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 he's always going to be injured and he's going to always be dealing with something. He's always conservative, like being conservative in the game. He's not really just giving it all he has because he got to conserve whatever he got left. So I'm like, hmm. So then as soon as he got there and I started watching games, that's exactly what I saw. Every time Booker or KD having the ball, pinch off Chris Paul. Who cares about wherever DeAndre Aiden at? Josh Jacoby, who cares? Tory Craig, who cares? That's exactly how everybody played it. So Cameron Payne wasn't even there when KD got there. So I'm like, okay, we only got a backup point guard at this point. So it was just, nah, I didn't, I didn't like the team. Um, I like the fact that Booker and Kevin Durant can try to gain some chemistry. That was the only positive thing. Gain some chemistry while you can in the regular season and maybe in this upcoming playoffs so then you guys can get a feel for each other. So then when you go into the next season, you play a whole 82 before you go into the playoffs. And now on top of going through the fire in the playoffs, getting to know each other with the last couple of games in the regular season, okay, you got something that you can build off on because chemistry just don't, it just don't grow. No overnight it just don't do that it takes time so that's the only positive i had about it yeah man it was tough because instantly kd got hurt so again he missed a bunch of that time but i said coming in y'all are calling this son's team a super team are we being for real deandre aiden specifically with his role he has never been a consistent guy in terms of doing what he needs to get done after 21 i think his first year he was great he was great in the playoffs, all that. But after that, since that point, his motor comes into question. Like his effort in terms of trying to play defense, grab boards and fit into a role isn't quite there. And I said automatically, 
KD and Booker are not the X factors. It's Aiden. Because if Aiden is better maximized, it makes Chris Paul's life easier. It makes the rim protection easier. If Aiden and KD is your front line, okay. Like structurally, that could be something. But we saw it didn't work out. We literally saw him get outplayed by a replacement backup center that just got signed by the Houston Rockets, right? Like it, it's. It was kind of bad to, to where he was getting benched in the playoffs for that level of production. And then for Chris Paul, as you said, Chris Paul is saving a bunch of his energy, but he gets hurt every year in the playoffs. This has happened out like three to four years straight now for Chris Paul, and it's very, very rough, which puts more pressure on Booker and KD to guess what? Be Booker and KD, which they can be, sure, but in the playoffs, teams are not respecting a bunch of those players there and even in the Clippers series which had no healthy Kawhi or Paul George for the entire series a lot of people said they probably would have beat that team if they were healthy yeah that's true I, I think I think a lot of people don't want to that's another thing that I also realized about the league too like the versatile big there's a lot of responsibility on the center it's always been like that, though. That's, that's what's so crazy about it. It's always been heavily relied on how great your center could be defensively and when it comes to rebounding the basketball. Finishing at the rim, fine. Like, the playmakers around you will make you a play finisher. But for the most part, defense and rebounding and high energy, it's always mattered since the game has even been invented. So now it's like Golden State, comes out with the whole small ball thing. Rockets tried to do the small ball thing. And both of these teams did it at a high level. And Tristan Thompson's not really a 6'11 big, 6'7, seven, seven foot. He's really 6'9. So he's really moving his feet quick, like more mobile than a average center. So he makes like things look a little different as well. So that's all we saw was the Cavs and the Warriors go to the finals. Year and year, year. So it's like, okay, do you think the big is lost his art? No, it always still matters. Because even with the Heat, they have Bam. He's a big that can do it all. So I'm saying? So it's like Aiden is that pivotal. I don't think a team can go and go get what they need to get done. Milwaukee had Brooke, Brooke Lopez. You cannot go get what you need to go get done without a center. That matters. That brings great value. That brings great impact, even if it's not scoring. And that's the Suns' problem right now. They want to trade Aiden. They want to keep Aiden. Trade Aiden, keep Aiden. Okay, trade him and get what? Keep him, and if you keep him, what you get? Their center situation is the biggest problem to me. 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. Like, I, I keep saying with this team, Aiden is too much of a question mark, and every team that's won for the most part, look at their front court right golden state won because of draymond and looney as their front court even though they have their flaws offensively as two bigs who can't space ultimately they were able to floor raise that team defensively to where okay they have a superstar who can take over the offense they can win that way barely but they can win that way fine you need to have that front court even the raptors front court if you go team by team by team by team by team the teams that win have that defensive front court hemmed up and the Suns to me just quite frankly didn't have that and then on top of it they have guys that people are just leaving open like you said like Booker is is having you know problems or taking tougher shots because he has to because it's like they're not respecting anyone in the corner 
Aiden, no one cares about him scoring at all. Like, that's what it was for the team. And I hate to say this, but this is also true. Kevin Durant, in terms of his playoff performances as he's getting older, is starting to come into question. You have people coming in here saying that Aaron Gordon is the reason why KD shot what he shot. When we all know Kevin Durant's skill level in terms of how good he is can be better than what he produced this postseason. As a KD fan, how did you feel about his performances and what do you think the trend with him will be headed into next season? Well, um, man, well, I'm going to go ahead and put this on wax because I keep saying we. I am a Kevin Durant fan. Diehard Kevin Durant fan. I've been a Kevin Durant fan since 2011. I don't. I'm not a team fan guy. I don't have a team that I follow. You know, people can say that's a bad thing or whatever, but I love players. Um, so I've been following his career uh, since he came into the league, and I'm gonna follow it until he's done. So with that being said, um, I'm very hard on Kevin Durant. So for me. The things that I think of him and his capabilities are one thing. What he actually produces is another. And I think that's the difference that a lot of Kevin Durant fans don't want to face. Capability versus what's being done. So with KD in the playoffs, for me, it was more of a, it was two things. It was more of a processing issue. That's what I've been realizing. Like since he's left Golden State and since he left Russell Westbrook, he hasn't, he's been able, he's been asked to process better than he's never had to. The team is relying on his processing ability. How am I processing this free? How am I processing this possession? What am I, what am I, what am I doing when I'm trying to go get to my bucket and I see the defense trying to take it away from me? How quickly am I processing that to be able to know what I need to do? If I need to come off of it too early, he, he, he holds on to it too long because he's so in love with his capability. But that's the time where you're supposed to come out early. That's the time where you realize, do you understand who you are? Because if you do, that's what the greats understand. All the players right now in the league, or players that's considered stamped top 10 of all time, they understood who they were. And that means that when I understand who I am, I know what the defense wants to do to me because of who I am. Kevin Durant is, well, I know who I am. And I know what the defense might do or what they probably want to do. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to still show them they can't do it with me. But you can't be that cocky, bro. You have to have some type of humble, some humbleness to you when it comes to understanding. Bro, it is beautiful that the defense want to come and take away what you're trying to do. Accept that and just make the right read, bro. Stop using, stop being so conceited and act like I can just rise above it and shoot it. But guess what? These teams are they're getting wiser. Guess what? You're seven foot tall, bro. Your handle is great. But guess what? We got some dogs. We got some people that's foaming at the mouth. We got people that's really, really quick on the court. Very, very quick when it comes to lateral quickness. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to sit down like a chair. We're going to get in the gap. We're going to tell these guys, stop playing with hands. Y'all stop. Y'all stop all that. Sit there and watch him dribble, come over late. And then by the time he pulls up, he already knocking it down. No, what we're going to do is... We're going to come at him quick. And it started way back in Memphis. Nobody understands. Memphis did it first. Way back when Tony Allen was guarding. Mm -hmm. They did it first. Then the second team that did it after them was the Spurs here and there. Right? And then the Warriors did it. 
They went down 3-1. They said, you know what? We got to make an adjustment. We have to hound this guy, right? He get into his spots too easily. Let's hound him. Let's cut off every lane he want to go to. Let's see if he'll make a pass. Let's see if he come off the ball. Let's see if he'll come off the ball, move around, get the ball back real quick just so he can get to his shot. Nah, Kevin Durant not going to do that. He's going to over dribble. Kevin Durant is going to over dribble the basketball. And guess what? All the coaches know it. All the GMs know it. Some of the players are starting to get used to it. Oh, okay. You really, you really think your handles like that to just do whatever you want to do. Bro, you're seven foot tall. You're seven foot. You're not Kyrie Irving. You're not Allen Iverson. You're not low to the ground where you can over dribble the basketball. Even though those guys are still doing bad jobs at doing it either because basketball is not played that way. But at the end of the day, when they do it, they can get away with not looking as bad as Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant don't understand that because he's too conceited with his ability and his capability. So now, that's what I thought about the playoffs. His processing was terrible. Defense, I didn't pride. I was, I was, I was solid with his defensive performance. Um, processing, I was not. So then, the second thing I was upset about was I believe this has been a thing for Kevin in his life, in his career. When Kevin started missing shots. I think it's a frustration issue. It's more of a, it's a more of a pouting issue. Like, oh man, I'm not getting my way. And it's like, okay, you just checked out, bro. So now, now that you didn't checked out, they can feel it. The defender can feel it. The defense can feel it. The coach, a great coaching staff can pick it up in the middle of a game. We bothering Kevin. So now when he gets to a spot, they saying it's Aaron Gordon. Nah. They saying it's KCP. Uh-uh. It's not none of that. Kevin is in his head. He's frustrated. He's pouting. So now the confidence, the 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 belief factor in where I want to go and what I'm finna do is not there. It's more of a man, I hope I make the next one. Man, I hope I don't get ripped. Man, I hope I don't lose it. That's how I feel when I watch him play. And when that when that takes over him, because it's it's really emotional people don't understand how much personality emotions play in this game everybody think it's just all attributes and you can be able to have a high iq no emotions play a part we humans at the end of the day so when i'm seeing him i'm like bro you hoping things go in at this point you hoping something go right and guess what people never pick it up when he's with steph when he's with russ when Booker start to go off he one thing about kevin he'll feed off of it and it'll get him yes. back going It'll get him back into the groove. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Them boys, whatever. And people people go nasty and would it be like, ah, he getting carried. Ah, okay, fine. I'll take it. Kevin, you, it's your fault. If, if people putting that narrative out there, you getting carried. It's because of what you out here doing, bro. But to me, it's more of a, okay, I'm not good at processing. My emotions is out of there. Um, I'm, I'm rattled at this point. So that's why I say every player needs that second guy. So that second guy ends up turning up. So now you can feed off of it, get yourself back going. That's what Kevin Durant did in games three and four against the Nuggets, where I felt like those was his best performances against high-level competition since 2021 against the Bucks. And he played great in game four. And I still think he played great in game three because quarter second through four, without that, they don't win. And he was highly efficient. He was really good on defense. Just that first quarter was stingy. So now, I just think that's what I think of Kevin Durant. So going forward to the second question is I lost trust. I'm completely at this point where 
I just saw you do this two years back to back and you did it against high leverage competition. So now against high level competition, com competition, I'm worried about two things, your processing and how much you get rattled. You got to show me in high level competition, you can process better or not get rattled. One of the other got to happen because I feel like processing has always been a Kevin Durant issue. And I'm shocked. It's like, bro, you're 16 years in the league. You haven't got better. But in the regular season, his processing looked good. He's look, his playback and look good or whatever, yada, yada, yada. But you don't play high leverage competition all the time. So maybe that's, that's the big reason why, right? So then the second thing, though, is, okay, if you don't get better at processing, KD, can you do a better job not getting rattled? Because that goes back to your point and my point that I agree with. It's not Aaron Gordon every time. It's your missing shots that you make. That comes from you being rattled, bro. So can I see you the next playoffs? not be rattled can you get on top of that at least because processing i just don't got no trust but when it comes to being rattled i don't got no trust at this point either because you did it two years back to back but if you can show me you can get on top of that one maybe i gain my trust back but so right now people ask me what do you think about the sun you think about the sun this would come down it come down to Kevin durant has not played at a 1a superstar level against high leverage competition the only way the sun's get where they want to go no matter if it's Bradley Bill on this team which I don't actually like to trade all the way we'll talk about it but unless if they would have went another route which is the team what I've been telling you two pieces build properly around it right make it flexible make the versatility flexible on the roster okay either or Bradley Bill or the other way it's still gonna come down to 1A level play from Kevin Durant I don't care what they say. And it's going to take Devin Booker to be at 1B level. Not, not option 2 level. I don't need you to be Chris Middleton. I don't need you to be I don't need you to be Kyrie Irving. I need you to be 1B level. Why? Because Kevin Durant is not a playmaker as a lot of 1A players to be able to just elevate a option 2 player. No. Right. He has play big, play big, playmaking issues. So now that player needs to be one be like so now i don't think they're doing anything if that's not the case if if booker is playing one b level or one a level and Kevin Durant's playing one b level or option two level you're not doing anything i don't care what nobody's saying they're not doing anything unless Kevin Durant's at one a and if you're asking me at this moment in time i don't trust it hey amen i think that was well said and i want to give you my thoughts on this too for me personally, Kevin Durant has been a player that, you know, obviously has been a very good scorer because of his height and the way that he's just a freak compared to every other, you know, player on the court, basically. But for me, the processing for Kevin Durant, a thousand percent agree. It started in Memphis. This hasn't been a new thing for his career. But what makes KD such a good player is despite that flaw, because of his natural skill with that size, he's been able to overcome it in certain spots. But like you said, against high-level competition, these are two back-to-back -back years right now for the Kevin Durant we know now where he has struggled tremendously. Boston was a lot worse, a lot worse. But this Sun series coming in, I said, Denver's just deep. They have a better roster of talent. And for a lot of people, instead of acknowledging the flaws 
that KD might have or the Suns might have. They looked at the name on paper. Like you said, the greed of trying to win a championship. They looked at the name and not the roster and how basketball is actually going to be played. Because that Denver Nuggets team coming in, I said they should have been the favorites the entire year. They were getting clowned on by a bunch of people. And in the playoffs, what did they do? They came through with a complete roster and they shut people down. But the Aaron Gordon point, I want to be very clear. Aaron Gordon played phenomenal defense. No one is taking anything away from Aaron Gordon. But the point is, you're not going to sit here and tell me that Aaron Gordon is the sole reason why Kevin Durant was shut down in different parts of that series. When Kevin Durant had moments where he was giving the work to Aaron Gordon, a lot of times KD would dribble and have separation on Gordon, right? Where he was able to get to his spot and he simply wasn't knocking down a shot. And for Kevin Durant, what makes him different as a star than other stars in my mind is because he doesn't have those playmaking, I would say, counters, his elevation comes from his scoring and his gravity as a natural God-given score. So when he's not doing that at a super high level, his defense is good for sure. But if he's not doing that at a higher level, it limits the ceiling of your team. Especially when you trade guys like a Cam Johnson, like a Mikael Bridges, who are going to be the wing defenders for your unit. So for me, for this Phoenix Suns team, I agree with you, right? And now we can transition into the trade, of course. But the trade for Bradley Beal, I was not a fan of. I, I did not like the trade, but I got to be honest, Jay, well, after giving it some more thought, I realized this, because you traded for Kevin Durant, what was this team going to do to improve anyway? Because I remember after the series ended, we were asking ourselves, okay, what do the Suns do next year to compete? Because they're already like kind of capped out or headed in that direction anyway. There weren't any big name free agents that we thought this team could realistically get so i'm thinking about it like what else could this team really do to improve because all of these like pieces that we think would fit well other teams were already eaten up because they had the cash space to do so so for me like while i don't like the idea of saying let's just go get another name player which by the way i want to note this that bradley beal name could potentially bite them in the ass in the next two to three years because of his no trade clause because remember what teams do oftentimes, we're going to go get this big name. If things don't work, we'll blow it up. It's fine. Guess what? He has no trade clause. So it might come down to, well, we can't trade Bill because his value's not there and he doesn't want to be traded because of his no trade clause. So we now have to trade one of Booker or Kevin Durant. That could be a hmm. realistic possibility that we're looking at. But what were your thoughts on the Bradley Bill trade, J. Will? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. But to your point, I conceded the fact that going from Bradley Bill to Chris Paul, you, 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 that's, a, that's a W. So at the end of the day, as time went on, I've, I've kind of, kind of, like, I came to accept that. Like, okay, Bradley Bill with Chris Paul, there is a gap there. So then when it comes to what else could you have done, Aiton's value is not there. Chris Paul value wasn't really there either. So, like, you didn't have no value to really go out to make the pieces better. But then I was like, okay, if they would have kept the team intact, was there, from a cap situation, could they have added pieces in the offseason that went other places? Like a Terry and Prince that went to the Lakers. Could you have got him? Like, you know what I mean? So, it's like, we didn't retain Torrey Craig either. So, I'm like, okay, 
what if we would have kept Tory Craig and got a Torian Prince? Like, then we would have been able to still get some of the pieces we added. Eric Gordon. Could we have done all these things? And I'm like, maybe we couldn't have. So then when I thought about it from that way, I was like, okay, cool. This goes back to our previous conversation. You traded for KD and got rid of every damn thing. So it's like, now you're at this point where, what do you do? Aiden's, you gave Aiden great, like crazy money. Yep. He's on the books. He got a big contract. Booker got a big contract. Kevin Durant got a book co big contract. So it's like, and Chris Paul had another big contract. So it's like, okay, they were stuck. So it was like, they pulled this off and it's like, okay, at this point, I'm content with it because I get it. Right. Right. But now for like being a Suns fan now, I'm putting more pressure on the organization and on the big three. Because if this is what you ask for, I'm big on this. If this is what you if, if this is what you ask for, and you you gotta live it out and you gotta make it work. If you don't, then you in trouble. See, in real life, away from business and away from basketball and things like that, when you when you make a mistake or you say you want this or you want that, and you say, man, look here, I, I realize I don't want to. In real life, you can do that because a person may have forgiveness in their heart. You know what I mean? A person may have love in their heart to be like, you know what? Okay, right. you didn't mean it or you know what? You lived through it and realized, man, nah, that's not something you want to do. Okay, I forgive you. I got love for you to do that. In business, you got to be on top of that. Like, forgiveness ain't really in this ballpark. It's more of the... You got to lie in it. You got to lie in it in this business. So it's like, okay, well, this is what they asked for. Guess what? You basically said, with knowing he had a no trade clause, you basically said this, Bradley Bill, we want you here with these two for the next three years to go get us some chips. Y'all didn't say we'll trade him later. You didn't do that. You had to know from the get-go. Y'all three got to figure this out. Yeah. Okay. Well, they better do it. Yeah. It's it like, man, I just, I really hope in the next two to three years, we don't read a Wolves report saying Suns have traded Devin Booker or Suns have traded KD. Because I'm telling you, the Bradley Bill value. They're not trading Devin Booker, though. Yeah, no, no, no. I think Booker's a franchise <laughs> player, which means yeah. for Kevin Durant specifically. It's KD, yeah. It's KD, like, yeah. The pressure on KD to perform is at an all-time high because imagine how it looks. And again, I don't like to buy into the narratives of basketball like this, but this narrative would be too loud to, I would say, not hear, right? The idea that he, he left OKC, went to Golden State, went to Brooklyn, went to the Suns, and then gets traded from the Suns again to another team that will be following him for the rest of his career. And I think that Kevin Durant is a great basketball player. But in terms of saying that you wanted the GM and the head coach fired, there is a level of accountability he has to have that is there. So for this Suns team, if they're going to have success, it's exactly to your point. KD can't play, play like he did last time. And Booker played out of his mind. He was literally missing four shots in two games on super high volume on dummy efficiency. Normally, Kevin Durant is known and marveled for his efficiency versus the entire field. So these two guys and Bradley Beal are going to have to make it work. But my question for you would be, what does the basketball fit actually look like? Because they're trying to run Bradley Beal at point guard. I think Booker's the better playmaker. Like, where are you at in terms of the on-court fit between these three guys? Um, so 
So with Frank Vogel being the coach, I'm already kind of like, what the hell? Because he's defense. But looking into the organization, it's Kevin Young. He's the uh, assistant head coach. Yes, sir. He's the guy that's like that controls the offensive side of the ball. So what I've what i what I've heard from him was he didn't have enough time to implement what he wanted to. So that's what he's going to be doing this offseason and in training camp. So it's a, a lot of pressures on Kevin Young for the most part to like put this together and make this work. So I really don't know the play style at this point. But if I had to just tell you what I think from an imagination standpoint, I'm at the place where like the NBA, let's go back to the NBA. They're at a point where I'm starting to realize every organization wants to put the ball in their best player hands, regardless if he's a playmaker. That's what I'm starting to see. I'm like, I look left and right. Everybody wants to put the ball in the, the best player hand, the best scorer hands, because they feel like they can generate advantages based off of it. The defense is going to double react or they're going to send people at the nail or whatever. So guess what? It opens up offense because the, the, the point guards in these leagues right now, they're not really creating advantages like that. They're not. So unless you are a star caliber point guard, you're not really creating advantages. You can you can set up the table. You can facilitate. But are you bending the defense? Not really. So a lot of teams starting to feel like put the ball in the best player hand, the best score hand. That's basically telling me as a coaching staff, you ain't got no plays. You can't create sets. You're not creative enough. You're being lazy and just giving the ball to the best player. Man, that's what we finna do. We finna be giving the ball to the three scorers and telling them the guys to bend the defense, hope we create some advantages, let's play off each other when it happens, and create buckets. That's what that's what we finna do. And that's why it goes back to this. Okay, y'all ask for this, y'all better make it work. Y'all better be some good players. Y'all better be, none of y'all gonna be no elite players. But y'all all better be at least somewhat relatively good playmakers. Y'all all gonna have to. And at the end of the day, y'all all gonna have to be somewhat efficient. Can't be shot chucking. You're gonna have to, somebody gotta take a sacrifice. Yo, is it gonna be you or me? Right. Right? I think Booker's not taking a sacrifice to anybody. So at this point, I think he's number one in I am gonna be myself. You other two, figure it out. Now, Kevin Durant, at this point in his career, getting older, he is the type of person that would be like, yo, I can score 30, 28 very quietly, very easily, unexpectedly. So you know what? I don't mind if I got to be the one standing in the corner. I don't, gotta, I don't mind if I got to be the one on the wing and just letting y'all two operate. I'm going to find mines. That can be tricky, KD, because I ain't no big Bradley Bill fan. So now, if Bradley Bill is the guy that's getting more touches than you or operating in a way where he's trying to make more plays than you, then now, what we look like against high-leverage com competition doing that, KD? So, like, this goes back to how does Kevin Durant want to approach this situation? Does he have the, the alpha personality, which he don't, but does he have some type of alpha personality to say, okay, Bradley Bill, you got to be third? If it's not Kevin Durant, is it Frank Vogel and Kevin Young? Letting Bradley Bill know, Bradley Bill, this is what it is. So what I'm thinking is for, the, for them to come out and say Bradley Bill's the point guard, I think they're trying to say, Bradley, 
this is the way we can make you already be third fiddle. We put the ball in your hands mm. and we make the other two, we make you understand you have to give it to the other two. Because if we give it to Booker, right, then now it makes us seem like Booker got to be worrying about both of them. I see and we don't want Booker, we don't want Booker worried about both of them. We want Booker to be worried about himself. So how do we get Bill to understand you got to worry about them more than yourself? Put him on point guard. He's the point guard, right? Yeah. Put him at point guard. And I have not said that in spaces. I have not said that in anything because I'm like, I'm saving these type of takes because right. when it's time to talk real, real hoops, we can do it in spaces. You know what I mean? You can do it on social media, whatever, but it's pop. This is for the podcast. You know, Gifted has a special podcast, great basketball mind. So, yeah, I saved one of my takes that I've been thinking about this season just for this. So, that's what I think they're going to do. Put Bradley Bill at that point guard roast to get him to understand it's them two before you. I like what you said because how I viewed it, bro, as soon as they said Bradley Bill at point guard, I'm thinking, okay, Devin Booker has been a good playmaker for some years now. Bradley Bill underratedly was playmaking a lot for the Wizards, but the difference is Bradley Bill gets to the rim more than people realize. And I'm thinking, okay, if you have him as your point guard at the very least, Devin Booker is a aggressive scorer, especially off the catch. He's a phenomenal off-ball player. And I think by putting the ball in Beal's hands, KD and Booker are better off-ball shooters than Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal used to be a really good off-ball shooter, but because of his offensive load and responsibility, he has to learn how to create going downhill more than that. And I think defenses are going to be more terrified of Booker and KD off the ball. Me personally, yeah. J-Will... What I want to see from KD, and a lot of people aren't aren't acknowledging this, I want to see KD say, okay, y'all are not going to guard me the same way because I'm going to be in two-man actions with Bradley Beal and Booker the entire game. Because think about it. If you have Bradley Beal running a two-man game with Kevin Durant and he's getting downhill, and then you have Booker off the ball moving around or vice versa, if KD's more involved in these actions to where it's not just KD has the ball okay i gotta choose who to pass to or get here get there if he's off the ball more with those two dynamic guards he's gonna have wide open opportunities many times he's gonna have multiple mismatches many different times the way that you make it hard for kd is if he's on ball and you confuse him by getting up up under him to me if you're doing that it makes the game harder for him but if he's involved in more actions like that with Bradley Beal roaming off of the ball more, I think that could be a different level of success for the team. Because again, you're talking about how they bend a defense. A big part of why Booker got off the way he did is because teams were so terrified of Kevin Durant on the floor, even though he, he might not have shot what he's normally used to shooting, right? So by having him involved in these actions more, you're going to be bending the defense at a higher level to me. So I want to see KD more involved in those plays, of course. Obviously, he's going to still have the ball a good amount of possessions. But using these guys interchangeably together and not like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, I think that will lead to more success. The only thing I'll say about that, though, I kind of agree with you. The only thing, The only thing I would push back to just slightly is... The fact that I don't think I think a lot of teams when he's in like two man game actions with Bill and Booker, I think they're just gonna switch it versus making the guy 
making they got hedge and then Kevin Durant gets a, a, a slip to the basket or a, a pick and pop situation where two stayed on the ball, KD comes off the pop, knock it down, or comes off a roll, get to a spot, pull up, or get to the spot layup. I don't think the defense gonna realize that when these three try to like go into action, it's similar when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went together, uh, was doing two-man game. It's similar when Steph and KD was doing two-man game. The defense would rather just say, yo, we can't, we can't like play it straight up. We can't play it straight up and just like you fight on your screen. Because if you fight over your screen, Steph Curry may have a pull-up or Kevin Durant may have a pop or a roll. So what they do was switch it. So I mean, so it's like, I think it's still going to come down to Kevin Durant is not going to get as open. He's going to get more switch switches. And then now the Suns got to pick. Are we going to Bradley Bill or Devin Booker right. uh, when they switch? Or are we going to Kevin Durant when they switch? And if, if they give it to Kevin Durant on the switch, he may have the favorable mismatch. But the problem is, is once again, go back to who you are. They're going to pinch. They're going to go hard on the nail. That guy got he may be the shorter guy, the smaller guy, but he's going to be sitting down. So now, guess what? The defense still going to react. And that's why I try to tell people, people can be so high on this Bradley Beal trade. The guy that are going to be left open in the on this team, is going to be Bill before it be Booker and Kevin Durant. He's going to Bill's be going to be more open. Yeah. And then the other guy, whoever our fourth guy is, which we'll talk about the roster in a second, he's going to be left wide open. They would rather take away Booker and Kevin Durant before they take away Bill. So I think I hear you. I think in the regular season, yeah, there are going to be some openings for Kevin Durant to be able to make his life a little easier. I do think so. I think it gets the contenders that I'll tell you about in a minute. I think against them, they're going to wise up. They're going to play it smart, and they're going to switch. And then after they switch, they're going to make Kevin Durant process again. Yeah, I so um maybe I didn't fully clarify everything that I mean. I think the off ball in terms of KD being the screener in high pick and rolls, I agree with you there. Like they're going to probably uh -huh. switch that, but I'm more so saying okay, let's say Booker does a high pick and roll with Aiden, right? I'm talking about using KD and Beal collectively off the ball on one side oh, of the basketball okay. court. Because okay. that type of shit, like, now it's like, he doesn't even have the ball, but we're so worried because it's like, they doing this over here. But meanwhile, you got yeah. Booker, who's a downhill guy, fast, can get to his own pull-up quickly. Now the attention is being divided okay. between different places on the floor. Yeah, I agree. That's if they run it like that. Yeah, but I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh we can get to the roster. So they got Brandon Goodwin. Um I've been watching a little bit of film of, of him. He's okay. He's a good passer. Um I'm just wondering for the Suns team, are they gonna go smaller? Cause I like the I I like the pieces that they got. They got Gordon, they got Yuta. Um I think they re-signed uh I don't think they got Bobo yet, did they? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think here. But yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They do. Okay. So so then what do you think the best lineups are then? See, this is this is my thing. Uh -huh. This is why this right here is the most head scratching thing. I'm stressed out. I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm 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 over here praying and hoping and wishing. Because one thing about this roster, 
I look at it every day, right? And this come down to coaching. This come down to what type of coaching staff are they to recognize who should play and who shouldn't? That's what this come down to. Because for me, right, the outside of the big three, I see lineups like with the big three, and I see lineups with Kata Bates and Drew Eubanks. I, that's a five. I see Aiden and I see Aiden and Yuda. I see that working. Okay. I see I see Drew Eubanks and Metu with the big three working. I see Takeoff Bill, Katie Booker, Metu, Aiden, and Eric Gordon working. I can see Bill, Katie, Yuta, Metu, and Katie Bates. Small ball. Metu and Katie, four or five. Kata Bates at the three, Eric Gordon at the at the two, Bill at the one. I don't want to see Josh Kogi. <laughs> I, I never, and right. out of respect, I love his tenacity. I love his energy, his effort. I like how he pick up 94 feet, hustle, bust his ass. The problem I have with him is he's small. And if yeah. I'm going to have a small guy on the court, I'd rather it be Eric Gordon because I know the defense will respect him as a he's shooter. He's going to space that floor if, out from deep. And if, you, and if you don't, he'll hit it. So I don't want a small guy on the court that won't be respected. And defensively, how much is he going to really make a difference with all that effort? Yeah. So now I don't want to see him. I want to see the big three. Aiton, Metu, that's five. Yuta, six. Kata Bates, seven. Aaron Gordon, eight. Drew Eubanks, nine. Those are the nine guys I want to see on, on that basketball floor. And I want you to sh shuffle them, figure out configurations where they all make sense. And let's go from there. And another sleeper is the rookie that we drafted. I'm very high on the kid. His name is Kamara. He is probably up there as our best POA wing defender. And that's saying a lot to our roster that our rookie is the best POA wing defender. So... And he's probably not going to even play. So, those are the nine guys I want to see play. Josh Kogi makes 10. Jordan Goodwin, my thing with him mm -hmm. is I don't think he's been in the fire enough and he's been tested enough to be in a championship expectation situation to be playing. Regular season, cool. Okay. But I don't think he's ready for that. And, and another thing about our roster I don't think we really got that many players that's ready for that period. And nobody want to have that combo. Yuda has not been tested in the playoffs. Metu has not been tested in the playoffs. Kata Bates Diop has not been play tested in the playoffs. Jordan Goodwin, our rookie, uh, has not been tested in the playoffs. And I think Drew Eubanks, if I can remember, I think he's played in the playoffs, but I don't think he's played over 20 minutes. I think he's played 10 to 15, maybe. I think they didn't even leave him out there, leave him out there on the court long enough to where he really got tested for real. You know what I mean? So it's like, what 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 players do we have besides the big four? Aiden that has not really been that great in the playoffs and Eric Gordon. We have five, bro. So that's where I'm at. But if I had to pick the reason why I would go with Kata Bates 
Outside of Aaron Gordon, Booker, Bill, Katie, and Aiden. Outside of those five, I would still go Medu, Kata Bates, Yuta, and Drew Eubanks. Because why? They all got size. I would rather deal with I would rather deal with untested players that's never been that's never shown value in the playoffs like that. To where you can trust them. I would rather have them have size than not have size going into a situation like that. And then guess what? That goes back to my original point. The big three got to make a shake. Y'all going to have to make them untested players with size work be, alone be good. with y'all yeah. so y'all can go do what you got to do. And that's going to be like that this season, the season after that, and the season after that. It's going to be like that for the next three years because you're not, you're not, nothing you're going to do unless Aiden brings his value up tremendously to where you trade him for some real pieces. Maybe only two pieces or maybe one good piece back. That's all you're going to really get, even if he raises his value up. So now, you got to make that work. And I'd rather have size than nothing. But do I like uh, Do I like this? No, I don't. But if you're asking me, how do I make this work? The big three got to be amazing. And I'd rather have size with the big three. Yeah, man. I, I, I put a lot of this on the big three and DeAndre Aiden specifically. Because again, like you said, for better or for worse, Aiden got to play. He's there's not many centers they have on this roster. Aiden has to play. They paid him all this money to not play in the playoffs. Aiden has to play. And for better or worse, even if it's just to raise his value to trade him for better assets, he has to play. He, yeah. You know, like that just has to happen. I just think this Suns team is in such an odd spot. But again, this starts from where? Trading for Kevin Durant. This is what you sign up for. You sign up to try to win championships. And again, I say this, like, they didn't really have many other moves in my mind to maximize the roster with Booker and KD. So you might as well upgrade for Bradley Beal. But doing that means he has no trade calls. You know what that means. If if things do not work out, he chooses where he wants to go, which automatically lowers his value in the league. So it makes things significantly harder. But the other thing, Jay Will, that no one is talking about that I think matters more than almost anything on his roster is the continuity point. Because in the playoffs, Booker and KD were learning how to play together. You saw it game by game, round by round. And now it's kind of like they got to put all that to the side and work in beer when they, you know, themselves are still learning how to play together. So now that stuff is in question. But then on top of it, this is a brand new coaching staff coaching this roster. And normally for championship teams, that coaching staff needs like at least multiple seasons under the belt to understand the ins and outs of what they want to do. This is the team that just has a talent and they feel like they're just throwing shit on the wall to see what sticks and what's going to work. That's what it feels like. But it's like a super talented wall that can actually like, you know, win if the right configuration hits. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. And we got to hope that the thing about it is they got to take all these 82 games serious to be able to build up that continuity. Yes. Build, they have building trust, built up trust with certain configurations. And with, and if they don't do it, they're going to walk into the playoffs hoping that the big three can just carry. And that's not how basketball works because you better have two or three pieces with them that fit really well to where they can go achieve their goals. But they got a whole year to figure that out. 
Yeah, well, I'm gonna take us to our last question. I ask every guest this when we're covering these teams. From your perspective, Jay Will, no one else, but from your mind, what do you expect will happen for this Phoenix Suns team in terms of seeding and also in terms of their playoff success this season for 2024? Mm, presuming health is has has the that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but presuming health, top four seed for sure. Um, anything less than four is a disappointment if they're presumed if they're if they're relatively healthy. Um, I would say anywhere between the two, anywhere between the one, anything to me, I think it should be a first, second, or third seed for sure. Four would be a disappointment to me, but I'll take it. But I think definitely one, two, three. But if I had to bank on one, I would probably say a two seed. That's what I would say with seeding. Um, playoffs. It's fine as a bus. I mean, regardless how much context we gave about the team, uh, regardless of how I feel about the team and the things they have to figure out, they still have a top five player. They still have their second best player is a top 12, 13 player. And their third best player is somewhere in the range between 25 and 35. So they still are in a situation where no matter what, you it's finals a bus. And you gotta make you gotta make that you gotta make the finals regardless. Where do I see them actually being though? Um I think this is what I think. I think if the trade with Damian Lillard goes down with the Heat, I think it's the Heat and the Celtics that run the East. I think Milwaukee's a third. But I think that's the only three contenders. And then in the West, I only think there's four contenders with the Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, and Clippers. So with that being said, Clippers, I think the Clippers and the Suns can go either way in a seven-game series. But I will pick the Suns to win. I, I would expect them to win. I will put that pressure and that standard and that expectation on them to win because the James Harden trade with the Clippers have not went down yet. So we're talking about the, the trade. We're talking about the team that they are at this moment. Yep. If Bradley Bill is a top 35 player and he's the third best player on his roster, then guess what? I'm expecting Kevin Durant to play at a 1A level, even though I think Kawhi Leonard could possibly outplay him. I'm expecting Devin Booker to outplay Paul George. So then now, Bradley Bill, guess what? Who's 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 it you have to worry about outperforming you in a playoff series on the It'd Clippers? Be either Westbrook or Terrence Mann. Or Norman. So yeah, that can't happen. That cannot happen. So with that being said, even though I think the defensive versatility on the Clippers could slow down a Bradley Bill, could slow down our whole entire team by the fact that they got great perimeter defenders. But at the end of the day, one thing I don't trust about the Clippers is that they switch too much. I've been saying this over and over again. They switch too much. They have a defender end up on a guy they should not have him on, and, and get they cooked. allow to switch too much, right? They allow, and, and now your defense got to bend and, and do and 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 and, and overcompensate the fact that you switched and all this other stuff. Okay, now you leave the shoes open. Now you letting the guy get to his spot. Talu is still not changing that. So, and I get the whole conserve, 
Kawhi's energy because he got to play offense. Conserve Paul George's energy because he got to go play offense. But it, like like we say, basketball is not easy. It's not hard to go win. So I'm not trying to hear what you think is best for them to do to go do this. No, they got to. At times, they got to stay on a man. But the Clippers will switch. So I think that gives the the. The Suns a slight advantage of taking advantage of that switch to where we should come out of that series, especially if Bradley Bill's our third best player. So that's what I would say with that. So we face them in the second round. That means conference finals is what I expect, no matter what. I expect that no matter what. But if we see the Nuggets or the Lakers in the second round before the conference finals, I expect us to lose. So it depends. What we get, anybody outside of the Lakers and the Nuggets, if we don't get them in the first two rounds, I expect conference finals, no matter what. Okay. Um, if we do, then I expect second round. True. Fair. Well, great podcast conversation that we had, Jewel. We broke down a lot of things about the Suns. Again, I really respect your basketball mind, and I appreciate you joining me today on this episode of the Gifted Hoops podcast. I'm going to be clipping a lot of gems that we had in these conversations. Overall, I think the NBA is in a good place. What I like more than anything, though, Jay Will, is the greed of these teams chasing the name, the name, the name, when year after year after year, it hasn't worked out. I like that now with this new CBA, go ahead, chase that name. You're going to be cooked for multiple years in terms of your roster construction based off of the new CBA. But Big shout out to you, man. Let the people know where to find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. At you at me at jwillgotit. You can find me on those platforms. I will be bringing a YouTube uh, show near you once the season starts as well. So I would like people to subscribe to that as well. It's gonna be the same thing. Jwillgotit. So. That's what it is. I'll be talking Suns a lot, but I cover the, the whole entire NBA as well. So yes, it's not just Suns, KD all day for me. So shout out to Gifted. Shout out to the podcast. Hope it keep continue to rise because it will rise because these guys know what he's doing and this guy knows basketball at a high level. And he's very consistent. So shout out to him for having me on. And I'm pretty sure everybody's going to enjoy this podcast or this episode right here because it was really good. Absolutely. Again, big shout out to Jay Will. You can find this episode, episode 28. I messed up again. Sorry. Yeah. Episode 28 of the Get the Hoops podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to five star on audio platforms. We're trying to grow specifically on there. YouTube has been banging right now. Recently, we're almost at 1.3 thousand subscribers. So I appreciate that. Like, comment, and subscribe, and spread this around to all of your NBA friends, because the NBA season is coming soon, and after the season is over, we're going to revisit these podcasts for each team about their expectations and what happened, because we want to be crystal clear so there is no revisionist history when the season hits, because every time what happens like clockwork, when that season hits, people forget about the narratives and, and things about all these teams, because these things are are meant to either be enforced or shattered one or the other and this upcoming nba season you got multiple teams with things at stake if the clippers don't win they might blow that entire situation up the golden state they might blow it up there's a lot of things coming up here and i can't wait to watch these things play out so big shout out to jay will uh tap in next week for the next episode of the gifted hoops podcast peace out people have a good one